On today's show, we're talking about how to use lore in your novel. So stay tuned. It's going to be a good one. Welcome to the Christian Indie Writers Podcast, where we inform, encourage, and support Christian indie writers on their journey toward publication. I'm Jennifer Carl Tong, and I write historical Christian romance. I'm Christina Katane, and I write Christian fantasy. I'm Jamie Hirschberger, and I write short fiction under the pen name J.R. Nichols. And welcome, everybody, to the show. We're so glad you're here. If you are here live, we'd love for you to make a comment in the chat so that we know you're here, so we can say hi. If you're listening to us later as a podcast, we appreciate you just as much. Um, and we would also appreciate if you would give us a little bit of love and like and subscribe wherever it is that you find us and you listen to us. Well, we like to start off every episode, every week, with our What's Up. It's a chance for all of us in the group to share, including our chat, to share what we have been doing lately in our personal lives. So I'm going to start with you, Jamie. What's up with you? Well, um, just as you started to say what's up is first, I was like, I don't think I have anything prepared to say. That happened then- last week when I went, I was, I think I was hosting and I went straight to Tina and she's like, oh, you're not going to go next. I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, no, because I have no idea what I'm going to say. <laughs> well, I did think as you were talking about um, people who listen to us everywhere that we did get an email from pod charts. And according to them, at least, did you know that we are the number 25 Christian podcast in Sri Lanka? (laughs) Really? Yes. (laughs) And we are like in the top a hundred and something of overall podcasts in Sri Lanka. Oh, in Sri Lanka. Oh, all all podcasts in Sri Lanka. Oh, maybe we need to have a writing retreat in Sri Lanka. (laughs) (laughs) It would probably be well attended, but I, I don't know about that. Yeah. It's so interesting because it's like, I'm not so sure about the legitimacy of that ranking because, you know, if you go to like Apple or wherever and you try to find us, we don't rank highly kind of, but, but anyway, it's like, if you're going to just kind of make stuff up to like (laughs) pretend like how odd to make us like number 25 or wherever, but like somewhere you know, like exotic, right. Like, it's just very strange. Like it's, it's too strange to be scammy. Mm -hmm. And yet I still, I'm not sure I can trust those rankings. It's very bizarre. Yeah. It could be one of these things. Like when, um, there was a church in the inner city that my husband came in to pastor and, um, the first, our first service, what there was 11 people and six of them were our family and we doubled attendance by a hundred percent. So we had won all these awards in the first few years by like doubling and tripling attendance, but the numbers were like 25. But listen, if you are listening in Sri Lanka, we do sincerely, like really, we appreciate it. And we would love to hear from you um, no matter where you are and how you get our podcast into your ears. We would sure love for you to reach out just so that we know who our fans are. We got some of them in the chat room, don't we, Jen? We do. We have, whoops. Good morning to Catherine Carroll. She was our first chatter here today. And she says, woot, woot, big in Sri Lanka. (laughs) (laughs) Teresa's here as well. Uh, She says, um, guess who did the sprint this morning? It was short, but felt so good. Mine was short too, but so good. Um, 
Catherine says, I'm procrastinating on tax prep. I'm still neck deep in historical research. That was my problem this morning as I actually stopped a little bit that um, did, and did some research. Gigi's here. Good morning, Gigi. Good morning. She's saying hi to all of us. And uh, Piper's giving us her what's up. She said, what's up? Been working on tax prep. It's a drudgery. I procrastinate every year. Blah. Yeah, me too. I was just telling ladies before we started that we didn't do our taxes last year either. Because if you're going to get money back, you don't have to get them in on time. It doesn't matter when you file them. And so now I have two years worth of tax stuff to get together. And I just uh, just hate it. So uh, Teresa says there are a few churches in my association who are in that same situation, Tina. That's yeah. Funny. So And Shell's here as well. Hiya, Shell. So uh, my what's up is, again, everyone in my house is starting to get sick. My poor Chloe, she has... Um, we all have allergies, but I feel like Chloe has the seasonal stuff. Um, she got most of it from me. Like, I think she has it the worst of all my kids. And starting a couple of weeks ago, she started getting like stuffy head and runny and just like feeling like yuck. And we just assumed it was seasonal uh, and come to find out it was seasonal, but it turned viral. So my poor thing is now on this really heavy, like cough medicine. And yesterday I was supposed to babysit baby little baby Eliana and I was mm-hmm. super excited and yesterday I started coughing which was a super bummer because I don't want to get that precious little thing sick I don't feel sick but I I'm having some coughing fits and I've been having sinus headaches and, and if you live in Michigan you know right now we are in that terrible time of year where winter one day spring the next and we'll have spring for a few days and then we'll get winter back again and just that back and forth is making my head just feel like it's like a vice back and forth. So that's my what's up is I'm just dealing with a lot of like sinus stuff. So looking forward to spring finally making its appearance. Mm-hmm. Another so 30 days away. Even out. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Tina? What's your what's up? Well, I have been trying to listen to word. Read me my book. Mm-hmm. Remember I told you that I was just going to read the whole thing and try mm-hmm. to get a feel for it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really difficult to read it myself and um, like kind of, cause I wanted to like big picture it, like kind of back up and look at it like as a reader mm-hmm. and I was struggling to do that. So I decided to have word read it to me, but that narrator on word, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, it's really hard. It's really mm-hmm. hard not to say, oh, I need to stop, hit pause, go fix this. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit of a struggle. I'm I'm having a little bit of a struggle, so, but I'm going to get through it. So tell me, why don't you hit pause and go back and fix that? Because I'm trying to, like, get the feel for the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. I don't want to have my editor hat on. I want to have see. my reader hat on. I see. Okay. So, so it's not major things. It's like little things that yeah. you can go back and fix. I got gotcha. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if it was a big thing, this is what you would be like. And okay. I have a document where I'm I'm putting notes okay, for myself. You. Like, uh-huh. go do this later. Can but, you explain like, so like why? I mean, I'm sorry. Just kind of like, okay. So tell me why are you getting the big picture to help you finish? I'm sorry. Just kind of am not connecting. <laughs> Um, it was because um, of my counseling or my coaching I had with Becca last time. I talked about last week. Becca Syme. Becca Syme, who does strengths coaching for writers. And I I was writing. I can see what's like, I have this decision tree. Should I be writing or should I be thinking? 
I can see what's next. I know what's supposed to happen. I could write it. And when I wrote it, it just fell flat. And mm. it was kind of discordant. I couldn't mm. figure out mm. why. And after her coaching, she was like, well, because I, like, my whole context changed of who I am. Oh, right. From meeting my sister. Um, she thought that I should go back and read it. Just read the whole thing to get a feel for the character and see if she feels discordant anywhere else. Okay, gotcha. In That's the story right. so that I can, because I, my context changing might change my character's context. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm doing. Well, how do you feel about that feedback? Like, do you see any of that? Do you see that that's true? Um, a little bit. Like, there's there was a few. I have like three or four notes in my document. Go back and look at this scene, and um, we rework it or put this in there or whatever. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, but it's just taking more reminding. time than I wanted it to. Yes. Just because. That's the story of my life. <laughs> story of my life. I picked yeah. up a book this week. I don't remember. The, I mean, I'm a Kindle and I don't remember the name of it. Um, if I, when I finish it, if it's worth sharing, I will. But it was kind of like on how to like um, write fast, how to produce fast. And I don't know why I picked it up because I don't know that I am even that type of person. But I guess I was just bored and um, I started reading it and it's making me like, yeah, I think I can do this. I can just get through this book. <laughs> Every time I go to like try to edit, something gets in my way. So I don't know if this is a God thing that's like slowing me down or if it's a gen thing, which I've been praying about. So I've got to figure that out. But yeah, uh, I, I feel like everything in my life right now is taking me longer, even dishes, things like that. Everything in my life seems like it's taking me longer than it should. Right. Maybe it's just expectations that I put on myself. I don't know. Maybe, that's, maybe you too, Tina. Maybe like it's taking yeah. longer than you want. But like in my mind, I was going to do it last week and get it done, and I was going to be writing this week. Mm-hmm. Like in my mind, that's what it was going to be, and it's not what it's going to be. So we'll see. Okay. What happens? Interesting. Well, someone's computer is making some noise, and it's coming through your mics or or not, and I'm not sure. Or maybe not. If you guys don't hear it, then maybe it's just my computer doing I it. I did hear it. Oh, okay. So it's not my computer. Anyway. Okay. So this week, uh, moving on to the podcast, the meat of it. This week, we are talking about something that we've really never talked about before. It was a conversation that we had off mic and we thought, you know what? Like We were, ta- we were actually, Jamie, can you share what it was that we were talking about that brought this idea up and we're like, hey, that could be like a whole podcast. Yeah. Um, well, it was actually when we were planning for the shenanigans yeah. of St. Patrick's Day. And I got kind of on this because um, we were just spitballing ideas. And I got on this track of like leprechauns and, you know, how they're a part of the lore of St. Patrick's Day. And then we were talking a little bit about the history of St. Patrick and basically all of the lore surrounding that particular day. And, um, we just kind of started talking about how the lore behind something is meaningful and impactful. And it's interesting because like just now I'm thinking about how star Wars was when we were growing up episode three, uh, was star Wars. Like that's all there was. Right. And now this is a whole franchise that is essentially the lore of these characters that were in that first original movie. Right. And exactly. um, now if you said that that was the first Star Wars, it would cause like a big 
fight. <laughs> right. They're like, that's episode four. That's not episode. My girls get after me all the time, but they weren't raised like me. Like that right. was the first episode. They're like, no, no, no. That's the first one that came out, but that's not the first episode, mom. Like, okay, mm-hmm. I know, I know what you're saying, but, <laughs> but you can see how already before we even get into the meat of the podcast, this is like a serious, like a good conversation to have with other writers. And we're like, wait a minute, we promised shenanigans. <laughs> like, <laughs> We can't talk about this. So we, we put it off till this week um, because we really think it, that there is something there that like, if you haven't considered using lore in your writing, that maybe you should. Yeah. So before we go any further, Jamie, can you like, for those of us who don't know, what is lore? Can you give us well, like a little quick? Lore, it, I, I, with my weird nerd word brain, hear the word lore and I think story because they have that same O-R sound. And the it's more or less the backstory or the um, sometimes mythologized history of a circumstance or a people or um, an event And so the lore of it is basically the entire history, the story of that person or historical event or um, family. So we're talking about basically the backstory. Right. All right. And we, where do we see lore mostly in fantasy, right? Like it's pretty common in fantasy. So Tina, what does lore look like in fantasy? Well, it, it, you know, that's like a question that, you have to say it depends because it depends on the type of fantasy. It could be um, the magic system. It could be like the story of their creation story, for example. Mm. Um, You could, you could take like different cultures in the real world. Like if you go down into Mexico, their whole creation story that they've had, the Aztecs and the Mayans, they have a creation story, like every different culture has a creation story. Mm-hmm. And so you could say that that's their lore. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if you, when you're creating a fantasy world, there's, there's always like, that's one of the things with world building that really helps with world building is to write the creation story mm-hmm. to help you start to see your world as real. Right. And so I would say things like that are, and so it would depend on what kind of fantasy world it is. It might be, um, you know, the dragon lives in the mountain and right. you must, you know. I was just going to ask that. Aren't dragons considered kind of like common lore in all in fantasy? Maybe not all fantasy, but like fantasy. Epic like- fantasy usually has like either dragons or like knights of the round table type stuff or something like that. <clears throat> right. But if I don't write fantasy, I can still use lore. Like we kind of gave a little hints with this when Jamie talked about Star Wars, which I guess is is fantastical, but um, and other things. But what are some ways that we can use lore if we don't write fantasy? This is what we want to talk about. Because if you were to write fantasy, you know what lore is. You know how to use it. You're already using it right now. But <clears throat> excuse me. But you, if you don't write fantasy, you still can. Um, let's see. We've got some comments. Uh, Piper says, I've been researching or inhaling tons of information on lore, fables, and other creatures. Piper says, lore is supposedly the early story that was passed down by mouth as opposed to being written down. Nice. Yeah. That's a re- that's a way better definition than we gave. Thank you so much, Piper, for being in the mm-hmm. chat today. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So it can, like Jamie pointed out, I think it was Jamie, that it all, can also be the foundations of a family or right. a community. Um. 
I mean, when we go up to Frankenmuth, those of you that have ever visited Michigan, you've probably heard of Frankenmuth. It's a very touristy area in our state. It's um, Little Bavaria is what it's called. So it's like a German. It's, you know, like a lot, a lot of towns, a lot of states will have like a Chinatown or a little Italy like that. Well, we have Little Bavaria. And um, when you go up there on one of the restaurants um, on the Bavarian Inn, believe it or not, that's the name, the Bavarian Inn, has a, a giant clock a glockenspiel that tells the story of the Pied Piper once or four times a day. I think it is at like noon and three and something like that. Um, and that's a whole lore thing, right? If the, if you are of that descent, you would know the story of, of the Pied Piper. And that is part of that lore too. So, I mean, so that's not fantasy per se, like, but it would be, could be the lore of like something like that, but we can also use it as far as like, family or community. So yeah, well, I can't remember what book it was, or maybe it's just some kind of an archetype that I have in my head. I don't, I don't know where I've encountered this in literature, but if you imagine being the young boy who was always told about great granddad, so-and-so who built the fortune Mm -hmm. um, in the shipping industry, and now he's got to carry the mantle and go forward as a great, you know, uh, whatever their surname is. And you have to like uphold this surname to this high standard because they walk down the hall of the family portraits and there's person after person who did great things in the name of this family name. And so it's like instilled in these people that they have to be very good last names because mm-hmm. everybody before them has built up this amazing dynasty. Right. And so I guess the word dynasty is very much mm. a lot about lore, isn't it? Right. Are you talking about Horton Hears a Who? <laughs> That's all I could think about when you were talking about was the movie Horton Hears a Who. And he's like, all these mayors in our family before. And oh, the, his yeah. kid is just like, I don't want to do any of this. Like that saying, it was just like, I don't want to do any of this. So I that. That's all I see. That's I very interesting. Of gangster movies. Like, you know, oh, like yeah. there's the Dawn and then there's like the Dawn's children. And then, you know, he gets old and can't really run the familia anymore. And so then the next guy has to come in and. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's all where um, the lore and what's interesting too, is so if you think of something Hatfields and McCoys or, or, or like warring families, like each family is going to have their own spin on the same events. Right. right? Yes. And so it's very important sometimes to know these things as you're, I mean, frankly, it's for character development at the mm-hmm. end of the day, isn't it? And also um, world building. Yeah. So let's move into that. So how do I, as a Can writer. I just say one more thing about the sure. family stuff? Like we each have our own lore in our own families. If you think about it, like my grandmother was 18 when her parents forced her to go move to America because she was building bombs in a cave for like a local clan war. Wow. Oh, wow. Um, so like there's that story and then like my mom's family is Polish and the family came over on the boat from Poland and the mother of that family died on the boat. Mm. And then there was a bunch of kids. And so there's that, they, that, that whole stuff that we tell every time there's like a big family reunion or a funeral or a wedding that's, we all have our own lore in our families. I feel like you have more exciting lore than I do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So if I don't write fantasy, how can I use lore in my novel? I think first, when you talk about there's, there are two different kinds of lore. There's the lore that you make up within your own novel. And then there's the lore that is common, right? 
Mm-hmm. So let's touch on that first. What are some lores, like examples of lore that is common that you could use in your in your plot? Well, you could have uh, your character believe they spotted the Loch Ness monster right. while they were, you know, in the in the region, and that's a common lore that readers would know about that everybody has heard of at least at some point. It actually and- says in your character swimming pool in the outline. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie wrote that. That's awesome. <laughs> yes, just to inspire someone today. Right. There's a writing prompt for you. No extra charge. Like Bigfoot. That's another lore that I think uh, that might be exclusively American. I'm not sure. But Bigfoot or Sasquatch, the same, same character. And I think there that- are like variations of Bigfoot in other cultures, like mm-hmm. just the forest monster kind of. Um, thing and right. so and, uh, you know your character could catch one in his bear trap and and a lot um, of thrillers and like mystery kind of sh- um stories the boogeyman mm-hmm. like or variations on the boogeyman mm-hmm. are big yeah and those are um familiar to there those are existing in our world and then moved into your novel so right. it could be a plot device all right and then there's the lore that you make up yourself Right. And I'm going to mm-hmm. go a little out of order in our outline. Cause I think that the next, cause Jamie already brought up, I think we let's move on to, to character development. Let's move that up in the outline. So yeah. you could make up lore yourself and use it purely for character development. Mm-hmm. Like for example, if I know that um, my character, uh, Reverend Albright came from um, a, a non-Christian home, maybe it was even an abusive home that he then he became saved and then became a pastor that would affect him right Mm -hmm. not growing up in a christian home and maybe like that maybe he's a little softy now because he has all girls and he feels like he wants to protect them from the world and so that kind of stuff would would flavor how my character just specifically treats just his daughters which would in fact and in turn would would flavor my story as well so you can use it for character development like that and in, um, in my stories, and I know we're going to talk about it when it comes to backstory, but mm-hmm. for character development, the whole lore that is really in the prologue of the first book really defines who my character is. Because without that, she would not, there wouldn't be a high priest and she wouldn't right. be a high priest daughter. So. Right. Yeah, your yeah. whole series is is kind of based on that opening scene and the lore yeah. that they, yeah. And that's like my my, my original idea. I think I had re- written that prologue like 20 times before I ever <laughs> st- mm-hmm. said, I'm going to make this into a novel. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Well, awesome. just like you, your character does not exist in a vacuum. There's right. absolutely things in the environment and in their own family history that make them who they are and make make them behave the way that they do. Exactly. All right. So another thing that we talked about just in conversation was you could use family lore with, from your novels to write prequels. Jamie mm-hmm. hinted at that with uh, star Wars, how we start off with the original three, which would have been now considered episode four, five and six. Um, and you can use that to write prequels. Um, there's a show and I've mentioned it and I know I've not seen it and I know it's not a good show. I tried watching one of the prequels and I made it less than 10 minutes, but there's a show called Yellowstone for those of you that maybe have heard of it or maybe even seen it. I don't know. Um, that is so hugely popular that they went back and wrote TV series for basically the ancestors of this family that owns this property. 
And one of them is called 1883. The other one's called 1923. 1923 is newer. I'm not, I am not um, promoting these shows. All I'm saying is that you could take that concept and do that with your own books. Um, like I said, I, I got a message from somebody like, oh, this is so good. You need to watch this. You're going to love 1883. This is exactly like the time period that you're writing in with your, with the widows of the West. And I'm like, okay, I couldn't make it 10 minutes. It was so not, it's just not my, it was too gory for me. Not my t- cup of tea, but and, and that, concept. that wasn't completely made up either because I have some friends from Bozeman and they were having a discussion about how right on um, they had gotten the character of this guy who's in the head of the Dalton family. Like awesome. he's a real person. Wow. So I thought that was interesting. I, and I've thought about that before. People have asked me if I would ever consider writing the love story of um, um, Reverend and Mrs. Albright. And people really want to hear the the rest of the story the love story of Elizabeth and Winston from my very first book. Uh, I just kind of hint at it, you know, so maybe, maybe someday I'll go back and do that. But I think that, that if you're writing a series, it's very viable that you could make another series as a prequel mm-hmm. using the family lore. Um, what about for info dumps? Like yeah. we said, we call it info dumps, but really it's like passing on information to our characters. We don't really, we're not condoning info dumps, but no, it's like mm-hmm. a, a way to avoid an info dump, I guess would have been a better way to put it in the outline. It's kind of like yeah. when you have to get information to your reader and um, it would be weird for it to be a conversation or something. Right. Tina, you kind of did that with your, like your, your fireside stories. Right. I yeah. I had like the elder of the village, like the grandmother sitting around the fire at night, telling stories to the children. And it was like the lore of their village that she was telling. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. And there, that's in a few places in my books. Yeah. And it's a good way to get some information to your reader. And um, also if this is something that affects how your characters behave, it's important that your reader knows about it. So sometimes you need to communicate it to your readers as well. Right. So is there ever times too, that's maybe specific to certain genres that, uh, that lore might become in handy. Like I thought I don't write mysteries or thrillers, but does it, doesn't lore play into those as well sometimes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just read a book actually by Harlan Coben called the boy from the woods. And it, the prologue, they find this little boy living in the woods and um, nobody knows where he came from or who he is. And he's, he's so young. He doesn't really, he can't tell them where he came from or who he is. Um, And so there was a bunch of lore that, you know, Oh, people have been spotting him for years out in the woods. And, um, and then parents started telling their children, um, don't go in the woods or the boy from the woods will get you. Mm. So, and then he became the man from the woods, you know, cause he grew up and mm-hmm. still lived out there. So it was interesting. Well, like, mm-hmm. no, go ahead, Jamie. Well, I was just going to say you can use lore in your book to help you with. Um, so in a mystery, for example, you will find out that there's this person who's just been kind of bobbing along until you discover this bit about their family lore that links them and gives them a motive suddenly. Right. Yes, exactly. I was going to say like, you know, you inherit a house from grandma 
and all of a sudden you find a body buried in the backyard. You're like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Then the whole mystery starts. So like, then there's like, there's often there's mysteries that are connected to the past and like the lore of this family. And like, well, we always, grandma never let anyone else work in her garden, but us, like we couldn't rototill, you know, whatever, you know, like there's like this whole family history that can create an entire mystery. So yeah, that's really great. So Lots of great stuff. I mean, have you guys ever used lore in your books? Well, we know Tina has. What about you, Tina or Jamie? Have you ever used lore? Um, I would have to think about it a little more. And I feel like I would spend too much time silently thinking about it to answer that question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know that your your book that you wrote has its own world. Mm -hmm. And you like have like these different. Oh, yeah. um, Mm -hmm. Kind of. um, Oh, yeah. Not titles, but like the different sects of society are called right. different things. So mm-hmm. I would say that that's all lore. Yes, because you're right. There has to be some sort of history of how we got from where we are now to where we got to that. So there'd be yeah. a lore there. Yeah. And also, so there are um, in my book, people who have technology and people who have basically decided they do not want tech, like they're anti-technology. And so all of their history is going to be lore, right? Because they are not into really digital record keeping or anything. So they have stories that they, they pass along to. Yeah. So yeah, actually it's huge <laughs> now that you mention it. <laughs> and I would say probably in my uh-huh. books, just the fact that the, especially in book three where Phoebe feels like she always has to live up to um, our book two, sorry. No, that's book three. <laughs> where people have to, she I has have so to, many books. You can't keep them. Straight. Oh, I wish um, she, has to like kind of live up to the example of who her father was, right? You know, there's this lore of who mm. Reverend Albright is kind of throughout all of the books. He's kind of like a larger than life personality. And I think that that is kind of a lore that I've set up that like everyone knows who he is and he has this like presence and it affects how the girls were raised and how they interact with other people in book four as well. Like a, a lot of pressure on, on Sarah to live up to this expectation of who she, her sisters are, who her parents are. And so I, even that there is lore as well. So what's really interesting as you're talking about that, and like, this has nothing really to do with what you're saying, but what my mind went to was like, until you find that one person that says, that's not really how it was at all. And then you wonder mm-hmm. how much of the lore is just the story that the, the society decided would be the standing story that is mm-hmm. handed down and how much of the truth actually goes to the grave with the people who live through those events. And so that's another um, layer to the whole ideal of lore that I think is interesting because, oh, no, we're not going to embrace that narrative over there. We're going to stick with this one. Right. Mm-hmm. But and the Bible verse just popped into my mind that says, talks about the great cloud of witnesses that have mm-hmm. gone before. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about? Like, yeah, Hebrews almost, 12. Yeah, that's almost like, like if you read the whole book of Hebrews 11, it's all about all these people um, who've had great faith in the history mm-hmm. of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And um, so that could almost be like, kind of like our lore as Christians. But ultimately, if you've never considered lore, and after listening to this whole podcast, we hope you will consider it, but it will make your characters more rounded and less flat and 
bring a whole other dimension, even if you are not writing about that specific lore, even if it is not like what your story is about, bringing in that type of things that like really are real world, real life things, bringing that into your characters will bring your, make your story more rich and more full. And so, um, as you can see, probably a lot of your books that you've written and that, I'm sorry, that you've read also include it. So, mm-hmm. and I have to say that we want our characters to be well-rounded and not flat. But I would like myself to be less rounded and more flat. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about the flat part, but yes, the less rounded, maybe. All right. That was all right. That was funny. Okay. So anything else to say, ladies, before we move on to our favorite Mm -hmm. part of the week? I think that's it. It is time for the feedings of the back. So every week what we do is... Um, here on the podcast, we submit a raw, fresh, unedited piece. This helps to develop a safe community by receiving criticism because we take turns being utterly vulnerable. And truly, this is like, I remember, remember when we started, we were kind of like, eh, because we had only ever submitted to each other things that we had edited. But we're, we write this. And then we put it out there live for all of you to hear. And then we give each other positive feedback because we haven't had a chance to edit it. Um, And so this week was uh, five words. Tina, I'm going to have you go first. And will you share with us uh, the five words and then share your piece? The five words were pain, eject, format, apple, and flood. And my brain hooked onto pain. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I'm probably going to have to give another trigger warning this week that if you're a little squeamish, I don't know if you would want to hear it. So here we go. The pain shooting through Sean's back brought tears to his eyes. He tried not to cry out, but the scream came unbidden from his throat. What was probably only seconds felt like years, and then it stopped. Tell me what I want to know, and you can go. Sean didn't have the energy to tell the man in the mask where he should go. He tried to pull at the bindings on his wrist, but there was no strength in his arms. The man was in front of him now, the cattle prod resting on his shoulder as if it were a casual thing. Where is she? I'm getting tired of this little game. Tell me now. The only thing Sean could do was glare at the man. Why do you force me to do these things? The man brought the cattle prod down between Sean's legs. Sean found himself outside his body looking down. The man tied to the chair, who he knew to be himself, but was somebody else at the same time, convulsed with the pain. Then he stopped moving altogether. The man in the mask pulled the cattle prod away and turned it off, a stream of curse words streaming from his mouth. Oh, that's good. A stream of curse words streaming from his mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Unedited. It's us friends. Totally threw me out of the story. A woman (laughs) came through the door. She had dark hair that hung in a bob to her chin, sparkling blue eyes, and was dressed in a black skirt, white blouse, red blazer with red high heels. Sean recognized her immediately. Strange how neutral he felt about it. He felt nothing about anything he was seeing, as if he were just a casual observer watching a television show. The woman walked over to Sean's body and placed her fingers on his neck. You are an idiot, she spat. You could have killed him. Not my fault. He's such a shut your mouth and untie him. From now on, we do this my way. At the woman's signal, two men dressed in white scrubs entered the room with a gurney, placed Sean on it, and started to wheel him from the room, pulling him along from his place, pulling him along from his place, floating above. He tried to focus on the woman. 
He knew who she was, but his brain wouldn't connect with the information. He knew it should be right there. Your husband isn't going to talk with your soft, womanly techniques, the man in the mask said, pulling it off. Realization hit Sean like a ton of bricks, and he snapped back into his body, sitting up with with wide eyes. He looked back at his wife and best friend, his mind unable to believe what was right in front of him. Three, two, one. Wow. Nice twist. Yes. Nice twist. Like, and then he wasn't dead. So I kind of was like digging the story thinking that he was dead. And then the whole rest of the book was going to be him like trying to solve the mystery. (laughs) Yeah. Well, trying to solve the mystery of what actually is going on because he's so confused. Right. But like, so good, Tina. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. I could see her when she came into the room from your description. Yeah. Oh, thanks. She felt very 80s to me, though. I don't know why. Maybe like just the. the you just pictured yeah. shoulder pads in her jacket. I did. Yes. <laughs> did you not? Did you picture shoulder pads in her? Red... I did not. But that's oh. why she looked 80s to you. Maybe. Maybe <laughs> I immediately I used... thought Corella Deville. <laughs> oh. Maybe it was because I used to have a red blazer. Um. Mm. And but that would have been the 90s, actually. But I looked. Mm. That was a really nice outfit. <laughs> but I could see it. I could see the. <laughs> And I had red heels too. I didn't this see shoulder pads, so okay. But so, yeah, knows. that was really great. Piper agrees. She says, yeah. "Oh my gosh, Tina, that was so good!" But oh my gosh, where the guy put the taser thing? I know. Yeah. I I like recoiled, like oof, and I'm not even a dude. Gigi, Gigi says, "Yeah, oh, go." <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tina, that was great. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> All right. Well, I will follow that. Um, totally different take on it. I also kind of, I, I tried focusing on the word Apple, to be honest. Oh, uh, Shell, a couple more. Sorry, real quick. Um, Gigi says, very suspenseful. And Shell says, so great, Tina. Awesome characters. Thanks. I agree. Um, but I kept going back to the word pain, too. I, I thought it was going to be like a physical pain, and it went somewhere else. So mm. back in the Widows of the West world. <clears throat> The smell of apple pie floated through the open window, transporting Cade to a different place in time as memories of his youth flooded his consciousness. His mother, dressed in a work dress and apron, dressed in a work dress, (laughs) deftly (laughs) rolling floured dough while talking and laughing with the kitchen maids as they peeled the apples for her famous pie, was a sight he witnessed many times as a young boy. It wasn't until he was much older, nearly a teenager, that he realized that this was not a common occurrence among the other homes of eastern Texas. His father did not approve, but did not discourage his mother from working in the kitchen. Kate thought it was probably because no one made apple pie like his mother, and his father was in no hurry to stop the production of such a delicacy. Kate took a deep breath, attempting to loosen the tightness that had formed in his chest. Even after all this time, the pain was still there. The pain of losing his mother, of losing the closeness of his family he had once had. He wondered if there would ever be relief, a balm that could soothe the wounds he carried deep within. So deep within, man, twice. So deep within his own Mm -hmm. mind, he hadn't heard the door open, and he jumped a little when Colleen stood before him. She smiled down at him and held a plate out to him. Lots of hymns there. Here you go, she said, handing him a piece of warm apple pie. My mom always said Pippin Pie was the balm to heal whatever ails you. Ooh! Wow, that was kind of clever. Oh, thank you for her to be thinking like uh, about 
pie healing a wound. Wow. That was really poignant, actually. I hope that this kind of stays, right? Like, yeah, me too. I don't like, like that you were editing it as you were reading it because it's a sprint. <laughs> sorry, I know. But um, it was a bad one, though. Like, the idea was okay. And it took me a long time to get into it. Once I got into it, like, I liked it. But yeah, it needs a lot of work. Yeah. Well, don't, you know, I mean, it's interesting. You're like, oh, it was a bad one, though. But like, <clears throat> we sometimes churn out some stuff that sounds pretty polished. And that's like super impressive when that happens. Right. But the point of it not being polished is what's going to encourage our listeners to give it a try. Because if they write something and they find too many mistakes, they might think, oh, I shouldn't or oh, I'm bad or whatever. And it's mm -hmm. just uh, the reality of what sprinting is like. It's getting, like you said, getting a good nugget onto the page. Mm -hmm. so that you can go back and finesse it later or not, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and sometimes I find my brain, like, fixing the errors as I'm reading. Um, and right. I really try not to do that because it's a good it's a good lesson in sprinting is not perfection. Sprinting is just exercising your writing muscles right? and possibly I, generating ideas or generating things that you can move forward with. Yes, right. but I did love that uh, she was, he was thinking about this wound he had. And then she happened to say that pie would heal a wound. It was just yeah. like, like, it was really delicious. Ha <laughs> ha. No pun intended. Thank you. It <laughs> was very good. Yeah. Cause I, I agree with everything you're saying. I think that the point of a sprint isn't to put out something that's good and polished. It's to like generate uh, writing practice writing because sometimes they'll come out polished just like you said but more like the ideas and like what i'm going to get out of this is the idea of, of where he is thinking back on where he, all his pain is and this i think is where because at some point in the book you have to have a realistic uh, in a romance a realistic way where they go from not liking each other to starting to see something different and this would be a really good jump almost like God kind of intervening and saying, Oh, you need a balm. Look what I got for you. This girl right here that you're not even paying attention to kind of a thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so that is what I'm, this is the nugget I'm getting from today is that I think I will use a scene like this, if not this one, but something similar to be able to give us some backstory again, some lore on my character, like Cade and, and what influences him as well as moving into like him starting to see her in a different light. So, and I like how, um, the use of scent, like sometimes mm -hmm. that's hard in a story. Mm -hmm. And then the way that scent can trigger memory. Right. And nostalgia and all that. That was really good. And I would unfold that more. Like I just said mm -hmm. the scent of apple pie. But like what is the scent of apple pie? So this isn't, again, when you sprint something, but you go back in to make it like really usable. Stop. That's a great suggestion, Tina, to talk about the scent. It's like stop some, uh, some sort of thing like that. Some sort of sense. And like, just unfold it and unwrap it and see what you come up with. So I'm so glad you said that because I was going to say at the same time, I do appreciate both you and Tina pointing out, oh, that's something I would go back and fix later because mm -hmm. it does show someone who may not know that word repetition so close like that. Oh, like, yeah. It's bad. very interesting. And then for you to say, dwell more on what is the scent of apple pie, like show, mm -hmm. don't tell. Like, I think that's a very interesting exercise. Uh, potentially to go in and say, what would I change and what would I fix? Mm -hmm. So I do appreciate that you did stop to say I would change and I would fix. I appreciate oh, that. Yeah. Thank you. So, 
Um, let's see. Piper says my husband would agree that pie heels. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not disagreeing with that either. I'm so hungry right now. Uh, Gigi says Jen must have apple pie now. Dropped us into that kitchen. Great character building. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Teresa says both stories were so good. Thanks. And Shell says great scene, Jen. I love the way you weave the past into the present. Teresa says, I appreciate hearing you all share the raw and real rough drafts. It's encouraging to me. So often we only see final drafts to the point that it feels like I can never do that. Yes. I hope that that's what you guys get out of this podcast is that you look at us and like, man, if they can do it. (laughs) I really hope. I mean, honestly. Yeah. Because we, yeah, I appreciate you saying that, Teresa. Well, and Teresa, I believe, shared her writing sprint in our Facebook group. So if you're not a member, you want to get on over there and join so that you can leave some words of encouragement for her as well. Yep. The link for that group is in our show notes. So, all right, Jamie, we saved the best for last. Oh, you you wish. Okay. So here we go. Um, like Tina, my mind latched onto a word and there we, there we were off. Um, and for me, it was eject that captured my mind. So here we go. <clears throat> If I would have known it was going to hurt so much, I might have stayed with the craft. Don't be silly. Louise finished smoothing the blanket and gave it a little tap. We're all certainly happy you chose to eject, aren't we, boys? She didn't even look in our direction, but my brother and I both nodded. To be safe, I murmured a yes, ma'am. Then I sighed inwardly. In spite of my most strenuous efforts to be a very good boy, I'd become an expert at lying to my mother. The nurse came back. This time she carried in a tray upon which sat a plate of what looked like chipped beef on toast, a cup of weak apple juice, and a shiny red apple. The food looked disgusting, right down to the glistening apple. I'd lived long enough to learn that the more they shined up the fruit, the worse it would taste when you finally bit into it. Mm. But my stomach growled anyway. Mom had burnt the oatmeal beyond edibility this morning, and with the expense involved with Pa's accident, I knew better than to ask for anything else. The nurse made bright, chattering conversation with my mother while my dad sulked, turning the food over with the plastic fork he'd been provided. I marveled at my mother's poise. It turned out she and the nurse were related distantly, and somehow my mom was able to conjure up names of long-dead folks to inquire about, which seemed to make the nurse all the more cheery. And as she left the room, she gave me a wink and slipped two dumb-dumb suckers out of a pocket and handed them to me. Hmm. I smiled and said, thank you, ma'am, before I could disappoint myself by examining the label. There were only two flavors of Dum Dum Pop I could tolerate, and it seemed they were the most elusive flavors known to the Dum Dum factory. <laughs> the nurse had barely left the room when I glanced down. Root beer and mystery. Shrugging, I handed the root beer flavor to my brother, Gary, and tucked the mystery flavor into my pocket. To my horror, I heard the sound of crinkling wax paper. I moved to sing- signal Gary to wait until later, but it was too late. He'd eaten his- he hadn't eaten his breakfast either, and it was a- he was a good three years younger than me. He just plain hadn't learned yet. I looked at my parents gulping in anticipation of what was to come, but to my surprise, they weren't paying any attention to us. Instead, my dad was staring up at the ceiling and my mom was bent over him, smoothing his hair and murmuring words I could not make out. My hands grew hot and I clenched them. Something that wasn't hunger grew and rolled in my stomach. It felt wrong not to be noticed. It felt right too. Hmm. Come on, I said to Gary, let's go see what they put on the television out in the waiting room. When I got to the door, I stopped, letting Gary go out first and look back at my mom to give her one last chance to stop us. She met my eyes and nodded. I nodded back and reached into my pocket for the mystery flavor dum-dum. As I followed my brother to the waiting area, I peeled the wax paper off, plunged the pop, 
bravely into my mouth. Pineapple. I grinned. Then I sat with my brother and folded and refolded that little square of wax until mom came to collect us, puffy-eyed but smiling. Wow. So good, Jamie. But so, like like you often do, so many questions now. <laughs> like, why couldn't his brother put the sucker in his mouth? What would have happened? But, like, obviously his dad was in too much pain. To, it probably was his dad. Must mm. be, like, maybe he's abusive. Like, I get that. And then... Like, why is she all puffy died now? What's going on? Like, so many questions. But that's good because I care. I care enough to, like, want to know all the answers and want to know more, right? So you have an ability to do that, to pull us into a story and make us, like, want to know more about these characters like they're real. So well done. Thank you. Appreciate that. There's so much rich description, you know, in so few words that that's that's what does it. Like, I don't know. I I can't think of the example now, but... um, just the rich way that she describes her characters and the room and what's going on. It really does pull you in. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. Yeah. Let's see. Piper says you craft such great characters, Jamie. I agree with Jen. So many questions. Thank you. And yeah, if we're talking about what I would like to do, like if I had more time, I would have preferred it to be a little more that, um, this was a big decision he made to give his brother direction. And like, if this were a, a bigger piece, it would be that he, this is when he is becoming the man of the house because mm, the dad is no longer yeah. able to be. And that moment was supposed to be like, I am now like coming into the manhood part of my life, even though I'm very young. Right. Um, so that's where I would want, like, that's how it felt. But, you know, by the time I got to the end of the sprint, it was the end of the sprint. So no time right. for that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and he probably is already exhibiting that. And I, I love the fact that the nurse handing both had in both suckers to him instead of one to him and one to his brother, which is already signifying signaling that like, there's something about this kid that is already kind of like a leader you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that people would like address him or, or give it him. So, which that was subtle, but I noticed it. So, and I appreciated that. So thank you. Gigi says, Jamie, I had already figured out there at the hospital before it became obvious. Yeah. You so much. So you show so much about these characters without having to tell us, love this story and your characters. Thank you. Yeah. Well done, Jamie. Yeah. Preach, preach. Yay. I love Friday. Me too. <laughs> All right. So without further ado, it's time for us to wrap up this episode. Um, So before we go, we would like to, like we start off every episode with our what's up. We're going to end with our what's next. Uh, So I'm going to start, let's go backwards and start with you, Jamie. What's next for you? Well, I am still editing the book that we were talking about during the course of the podcast, which is analog. I'm having a really rough time. I'm going through a season of just like, do I even really want this? Do I want to finish this book? Do I want to publish this book? And I'm just not sure. So I'm still showing up every day from 10 to 12, but it's like, I'm trying to find everything to do, but work on my book. I don't know. So I've got to, I've got to find the want to, to do the work so that I will do it and finish it. But um, showing up is half the battle. Mm. And then it's like digging in to do the work. Cause sometimes it just doesn't seem worth it because mm-hmm. my, my why is just not big enough. And why are we like that? Like I struggle with that too. I'll just kind of flow into mine. Maybe we can talk back and forth about this is my what's next is I got to f- make time to open up my book and 
get finished the editing. But like now that my comp- my laptop is on the fritz, I can only work in my office where before I could like move areas. Right. Mm-hmm. So like when I can take my computer somewhere else, then when I have spare time, I can get worked on. And sometimes I get the best stuff done when like my girls are at play practice and I run into a coffee shop for a little bit, or I find another place in my church that no one is. And I work for a little bit and I can't do that anymore. And I feel like sometimes when I'm here in the office, my mind is like, so podcast related or like just kind of so pigeonholed that it's hard for me to like do that. And I have to Mm -hmm. figure out how am I going to make this work because I'm blessed. I, I, if I leave it here, my computer still works and I don't Mm -hmm. have to buy a new computer. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm so blessed, but at the same time, it's like, I got to figure out how to get my mind in the right frame right does that yeah is that any at all like kind of what you're experiencing though you don't have a computer problem but. well I feel like uh you you have different challenges but we're in kind of a similar place you know what I mean so mm-hmm. yeah I'm, I'm really feeling what you're saying for me it's just like my why is just not there mm-hmm. I think some of it too and a little bit with um what uh, Trace or Piper said right here. She says next find have to find motivation to write again. I haven't had any for months, and I feel that. And Tina and I were talking. I don't remember when a while ago, and we both were talking about how we kind of feel like we need to start being like you know COVID did us all in really hard, right? Mm-hmm. We need to start getting maybe like in a in person writing group. Like I know we have each other and like that, but like the the accountability that comes from meeting once a week or once a month where other people are expecting you to hand over something that's been polished and show some forward movement to get feedback. And then you're giving feedback to them that we've missed. I've missed that. Uh, Tina says she's missed that. And maybe Specifically the critique. I need the critique mm-hmm. because it makes me a better writer. Mm. So maybe that's your thing too, Piper, is maybe you just really need to work to find people locally that write as well and try to get in a group. Try it out. I don't know. Um, Teresa says her, what's up? I've had so much on my mind lately. I don't feel like I'm in the right space for my work in progress. Mm -hmm. I'm doing puzzles to try to and create and wake up my brain. But I've been thinking about sprinting. It's one of two. So she's got more she's going to say. Um, so while we're waiting for the rest of what Teresa was saying, Tina, what's up, what's next for you? Well, I'm going to get through listening to the narrator on, uh, Microsoft <laughs> word. There's four of them and mm-hmm. I, the one girl is the least abrasive. So I guess I'm going to listen to her, mm-hmm. um, and try to get into the story so I can see how it feels. Mm-hmm. And I I hope I can get that done this week because or this coming up week because I want to get back to writing. Mm-hmm. So your issue isn't having like the desire to write. Your issue is just you got to get like an overall yeah, my, feel. Just what I did write, I looked at it and was like, uh, it's not right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. All right. Well, if that is all, I think that this concludes this episode of the Christian Indie Writers Podcast. Thank you all for joining us. And so next time, may your pen be prolific. May your deadlines be met. And may all of your words honor Christ. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.